0: Hello again, friends. I know a lot of you have spiritual practices and methods that you use to reach that certain spiritual vibrational level you want to be at when you communicate with spirit. Most of us do it through meditation. I certainly do. And I want to introduce you, however, to a gentleman that uses something different. His name is Brian Ellis, and he does it through pushing himself beyond the limit, unbelievable limits in terms of physical exertion and physical challenges. So I think you'll enjoy this interview. Stand by. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where my goal is to help you with the questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul, and particularly to help other left brain types like I am to ask the right questions in our search for a deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. The gentleman I want to introduce you to in today's interview, Brian Ellis, he's done some really cool things. He's, as you'll hear him, talk about them. He's done some challenging physical things, pushed himself beyond limits that uh, I certainly would have thought were unbelievable. I'll let him explain those. But he's also traveled to many different parts of the world. And he's participated in humanitarian efforts and relief efforts. And he also talks about the lessons that he learned as part of those experiences. So give it a listen, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to him. Thank you. All right, welcome, everybody. Mike Nicholas here with the Soul Unleashed podcast. And I'm excited to have as my guest today, Brian Ellis. And I'm going to read Brian's bio here real quick, rather than trying to... Uh, Do it from memory. So Brian's a dedicated full-time marketer and part-time sponsored athlete who has committed himself to a lifelong pursuit of knowledge aimed at enhancing his physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. With a solid background in the Los Angeles music industry, where he spent several years as an accomplished audio engineer, Brian's work earned him accreditation on multiple gold and platinum records. This is all pretty cool. Notably, he embarked on a remarkable world tour in support of a top 10 album, a period that fueled his passion for exploration and travel. Brian, are you still on the West Coast?
1: No, I'm actually on the East Coast currently here in Atlanta, or just outside of Atlanta in Marietta.
0: Cool. Following his time in the music industry, Brian's adventurous spirit led him to relocate to Central America, where he resided for a number of years. Since then, he embarked on extensive travels covering over 20 countries, and immersing himself in diverse cultures. His journey included remarkable experiences, such as backpacking through iconic destinations like Egypt, Israel, and Jordan. Beyond personal exploration, Brian actively engaged in humanitarian endeavors, leading several aid missions in Ethiopia and South America. And he spent time in the wats of Thailand and Cambodia. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, what? and it's was okay, actually cool. uh,
1: South, uh, South Africa. I don't know if I put that wrong on there for the aid missions. Is Ethiopia and South Africa. Cool. What did I say? South America. <laughs> I might have wrote it wrong.
0: So. No, no, no. You have, you have South Africa, so my apologies. <laughs> Ethiopia and South Africa. Cool. In recent years, Brian's enthusiasm for running has taken center stage in his life. Fueled by a desire to push his physical and mental boundaries, he has undertaken some of the most grueling races and challenges worldwide. Notable accomplishments include conquering 100-mile races and completing remote challenges like crossing the Grand Canyon twice within a single day. Holy cow. His relentless pursuit of truth and self-discovery defines his character as he continually seeks to unravel new dimensions of human potential. Currently, Brian holds a prominent position as the driving force behind RunBrianRun.com, a highly acclaimed endurance strength website. Drawing from his wealth of experiences, he generously imparts the wisdom he has gained to empower and inspire others on their personal journeys. In summary, Brian's multifaceted journey, from his influential role in the music industry to his expansive travels, humanitarian contributions, and remarkable feats in the realm of endurance sports, illustrates a life defined by curiosity, resilience, and a commitment to sharing knowledge. Through run, Brian and run, he continues to make a lasting impact by guiding individuals towards unlocking their true potential. Brian, that is all awesome. And I just want to mention that the folks that I'm talking to, we're talking to in our podcast, are, are people that are going through a spiritual awakening. And generally, our left brain types, like like me, where we look for proof, we look for models. We look for evidence of, of things that might have struck us as unusual, certainly would have struck me as unusual years ago. And so your story is pretty cool because you're going through that same spiritual journey. I wouldn't say same, but you're going through a similar spiritual journey. And that's what I'm hoping you can expound on today.
1: Yes, so, I'm, I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about the journey because that's exactly what it is.
0: Tell, tell us how... it when did the spiritual part start?
1: Um, the spiritual part, spiritual part of really my exploration journey really kind of came into focus is when I started world traveling. Um, I didn't do much traveling when I was younger. Didn't have access to the funds. You know, my mom was a single mom. She worked really hard just to provide. and. Provide a, a way for me to get an education and move forward in life. But once um, I got a chance to start experiencing other cultures beyond just the big cities, and actually going into the smaller villages, smaller locations, and meeting people, um, I started to realize there was something more out there. Um, started just taking in these cultures and their experiences, and the way of life and understanding the blessings that we had, and finding appreciation for the fact that even people that would have what we would consider, you know, less than the uh, standard American lifestyle, how blessed they felt every single day, and the joy that they took in life, and how many of them are have different, different religions, different outlooks on life, and the way that, um, you know, what defines spirituality to them, but they all found joy from it, and they all found a path through it. And so that really opened my eyes and led me into kind of the quest for more. And I wanted to know more about the different cultures, different people all around the world, different religions, different just – I wanted to touch, feel, and experience these different places. And so that was really eye-opening to me and really led me down the path of trying to understand. So so tell us a couple stories about – about any of those experiences that you had, or
0: maybe just a few that, you were, that were most impactful to you.
1: Um, Yeah, so uh, is, that's one of those where it's almost even where to start. Um, you know, I've been every place from the uh, old city of Jerusalem, crossing into Palestinian territories, the occupied Bethlehem at the time, to which, you know, obviously has a mix of many religions, and seeing the diversity there is incredible. Um, I think real the real perspective came when I led a, a few aid missions throughout Africa. Um, at the time, we were doing working with a, a group called Waves for Water. Um, they specialized in bringing water filters into um, into remote villages. And when I say remote, I mean areas that you had to park you had to park your jeeps, and then you had to hike ways into. Um, and then once you were getting into these villages, seeing Seeing that the, that we were almost not welcome at first, there was a lot of apprehension by the locals to even talk to us. They've had bad experiences with, you know, colonization and people coming in trying to push things, trying to take over areas pretty much to a certain extent. And what we were doing was completely different. We just wanted to give them something that could provide for a better life. And it was really eye opening to see that these groups, you know, their thoughts on what Western religion meant, and then, you know, actually getting to know them a bit and understanding and unlocking a bit of their knowledge and the fact that, and the, that, I don't know the best way to put it, but that there is so much more than just possessions, physical, physical. You know, physical things around us, easy way of life, that there was a, a joy and a true knowledge to understanding that life every day is precious. And, you know, one of the great, one of the amazing things I always thought was when we walked into the village, as opposed to what I find a lot of Western religions was that the person we ended up talking to and having to almost convince our way into the village would be the oldest woman of the tribe. And they were actually looked at as the highest elder, or the, you know, kind of the most important person in the village. So the, trying to relay our information and, you know, their broken English, we had a translator to help. But the process of sitting down, breaking bread, and having a conversation with someone that comes from a total different lifestyle, and then the understanding that we were there not to try and change them, but to provide something, you know, a bit of technology, simple water filter that you can buy on Amazon now, could change their lives. Um, we'd when see you, that... Sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. I
0: was just going to jump in there and ask you, when you said Western religion, you're speaking, I assume, of Christianity primarily, right?
1: Yes, yes. They're so, very apprehensive um, of people coming in with, you know, using the Bible as kind of a way to honestly take over um, and kind of push out their old ways.
0: So what was their, did they have a religion? Or I'm sure uh, they did, some type of spiritual practice. What was that? Yes,
1: yes. The spiritual practices were kind of different area to area, based South Africa versus South Africa was more uh, westernized by that point. Um, In the remote areas of Ethiopia, um, the religions, you know, we didn't really talk a lot of religion besides the fact of getting past the fact that we weren't trying to spread our religion. We weren't mm-hmm. there to change them. We were just there to provide a resource to them that could change their lives for the better. They could actually, um, one thing that's, you know, was really noticeable was the, the water, obviously we were doing water, bringing filters. Um The quality of water was horrible. And the people actually in charge of going to get the water every day, they tasked that to young women. And I'm talking girls 8, 9 years old carrying two 5-gallon jugs, miles and miles and miles. Um, and what this does is actually stunts their growth. It creates major problems for them as they get older. Um So the relaying just coming to terms and being able to understand that we could provide something that could actually change that and help them for the better. Um, As far as the spiritually, like I said, we didn't talk a ton about religion. It became more of a human conversation. And I think that really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, sometimes you hear the saying, religion separates, but spirituality brings us closer. And I think that that really stuck out to me, that we were not – separate religions we were humans coming together to talk um so that really inspired me um from there uh, i went uh i decided to do a backpacking trip through the middle east um which was another eye-opening experience um obviously you know israel itself is is a mix of of a bunch of diverse religions especially in the old city but we took it a step further and actually hitchhiked through um through jordan which is primarily muslim and a mix of some other religions and what we found was that they took us in with open arms in a way that i could have never have imagined how many uh, we of were-
0: you were there when you say we
1: that was me and one of my good friends. It's uh, he's uh, he actually he invited. We weren't actually great friends at the time. We just met in college, and mm-hmm. he when he had talked about going to uh, he, he's Jewish, and he talked about going to, you know the Western Wall and doing a bunch of the religious stuff there. And I was I wanted to be a part of it. I you know I did, didn't really have a fixed religion for me. I'm like I said, I'm more spiritual than anything, and so that was part of that that quest was like. I want to come be a part of this. I want to, I want to experience what you're going to experience so I can take this home with me. And so, and he's also, he's great because he was open to this whole idea of like, yeah, let's, you know, let's really get in there a bit. Let's not just take these tours. Let's not do this. Let's go figure it out as we go. And as I said, we, uh, we literally crossed the border um, from Elot lot, El Israel into Jordan um, with no plan just our backpacks and our our thumbs up trying to find a ride. And and yeah, and it was amazing because we met some great people along the way um, that just, I mean, took us all the way up to Amman, which is like a six hour drive in total stopping in Petra and just fully guided and understand Mm. just meeting people that were just incredibly open and just showing that, you know, there's a lot of, you know there's a lot of back and forth about the different religions and people have things to say about certain people and certain types, but I found that going in with open eyes and an honest heart that, you, that inevitably again it became more of a human conversation and that spirituality took over. They understood that we were looking not to not to change them more to understand and and if we could understand that that's that's the ultimate goal so was was this after your experience with the water filters? Yes, this would have been after that. Okay,
0: so you had that perspective.
1: What what was your religious upbringing? So my mom was raised Catholic, um, and so a uh, pretty strict Catholic household. Um, before that, my family was actually so my family, my ancestors mainly came over. Majority were German Jewish. My like my uh, mother's last name is Saul. Um, so they left in 19, I think 10s or something like that. Um, but the, obviously through marriage, Catholicism was brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where my mom was raised. Uh, my dad never really talked about religion much, so I don't know a lot about his background to be honest in that. And we're not a hundred percent close, so I, I don't have those conversations with him.
0: So you were raised Catholic though.
1: No, no. So yes, my mom was raised strict Catholic, and I think a little too strict. And so she kind of stepped into a more of a spiritual role and started Mm -hmm. talking more about just Eastern philosophies, never really pushing anything on me, but just, you know, kind of opening to the idea that there's more out there. Um, And that led me to even more travels where I I decided to solo backpack through Thailand and Cambodia, um, spending time at Watts and learning from some of the monks there, learning a bit about Buddhism some fundamentals of Hinduism, um, and some other things that were, you know, being, being talked about, uh, while I was there. When you did that, where was
0: that in relation to the Middle East and South Africa? Was that before or after? So that
1: would, that was actually after. So the backpacking trip through, uh, the Middle East really kind of opened my eyes. That's something that I, I really enjoyed. I really liked the idea of having to figure it out and just going, um, I was actually supposed to go with the friend I went to the Middle East with, but he couldn't get the time off work, so I ended up going by myself, which I actually, I think, turned out to be a blessing in disguise since it really forced myself to step outside my comfort zone and put put a lot of faith in other people and just kind of dive head first rather than having someone to depend on. I didn't have anyone to talk to, so I had to make friends. I had to go out and find everything myself. It was was a journey, it was an adventure, and it was eye-opening. So tell me about the monks. What were they like? Uh, The it's it's an interesting mix um, I would say you know the first thing you kind of walk in and you see a monk smoking a cigarette <laughs> you don't really know what to take of it uh, but honestly just you know just having some short conversations again a lot of it's in broken English and it's just kind of you know there's a lot of body language involved in the communication expressions with your hands trying to relay things but getting to go uh, walk with them as they did their daily gathering of food so they uh they will have gardens and stuff, but a lot of their food is dependent on the local people. So they have groups that will actually go out through the city and collect food from local vendors and local people who come out at a certain time of day just to just to feed them. Um, so, which is really cool. Then they take all that food back and it's dispersed amongst the group. In um, talking to them too, one of the most important things that I really I really took away was that. They made it clear to me that they were like, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are. Any religion can get you to the mountain, but to get to the top of the mountain, you just have to live it every day. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish, Christian, heck, pagan. It it doesn't matter as long as you live a good life and you impart goodness on the people around you and in yourself. That is the secret to achieving, you know, enlightenment in their culture. So, and and obviously you know they're they the monks live a life based on suffering. Buddhism is I guess is you know defined by a state of suffering until you can achieve enlightenment and get out of the cycle. Um, so it was it was very it was very interesting and again eye opening to see how they lived with you know mere nothing and as a group and yet still had incredibly positive outlooks and just the most friendly smiles you could ever meet on a human.
0: So, so how, this is more of a personal question, I guess, but how did you support yourself while you were doing all this traveling?
1: Um, I've, I've been really blessed, um, just to work jobs that have allowed me to do it. So when I moved to Costa Rica, um, I actually so I worked in the music industry for a long time. Um, tell, and tell, us,
0: tell us about that because
1: it was in your bio. I yeah. to ask I wanted to ask you about that. So, what what did you do in the music industry? So, I was an audio engineer. So, I worked. I was an audio engineer in the urban music department at Capitol Records. Um, younger listeners probably won't know what that is. Older listeners will probably have heard of it. It was The biggest record label on earth at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was actually right. I worked there during the time when you know MP3s came out and illegal downloading. So it went from big budget (laughs) productions to all of a sudden paychecks weren't clearing. (laughs) Mm. So I got a contract buyout once the label kind of went under. Um, And so I took that money and I went to Costa Rica. I decided I needed to take some time to myself, but I'm kind of just, I'm I'm a kind of person that stays on the go. So when I was down there, I started a web development firm and that allowed me to generate decent amount of income and allowed me the ability to take, you know, two, three weeks off to travel at a time. So that's really what kind of supported me through that phase.
0: What what did you do tour-wise with the music business?
1: So yeah, so I recorded. I was audio engineer in studio for majority of it. Um, so I, I ran a couple different studios, and then I toured with Faith Evans. And if people are watching, you'll see the, her record behind me here, um, oh, cool. who was an amazing person. I'm, i feel so fortunate to have met her, and uh, had the opportunity to go on tour with her because I learned so much just about uh, just about life and how crazy it can be, but how some of these people, you know, how they can stay grounded amongst it all. So.
0: Did you work in the Capitol records building in LA? Yep.
1: Yep. The one that stacked looks like a stack of records. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool.
0: So, so jumping forward now, just tell us about how this, the spirituality part of you relates to what you do now, uh, especially the the running and endurance part.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so honestly, my whole spiritual quest has kind of led me to it. Um, First off, understanding that the physical body is a key component to the mind. Um, So starting to dive into just being healthy. I wasn't necessarily the healthiest when I was doing the music stuff, so that's one of the reasons I was kind of happy to get out of it. Um, the mentality in the music industry can be a little overwhelming and self-serving and driving towards materialism. And once I left LA, I realized that that wasn't, wasn't what I needed to be around. So I started putting a lot of focus on me and working out what I, not working out, yes, but also working out the process of what it becomes to be like a whole human and to take advantage of this, you know, this body that we're blessed with. Um, so that led me into starting into getting into fitness. Um, I, st- was doing that pretty heavily in costa rica and then when i moved back i actually started doing some spartan races um which is an interesting thing they're obstacle races like these mud runs and i ended up being really good at it so i actually ranked top 10 in the world got to travel and race in places like australia and london um that are very high level so that really kind of led me into running and the more i started running and the the farther i went the realized that my little, I started breaking past every limit I thought I had. I never thought I'd run, you know, 50K. And then I, I did it and it was like, okay, I can go farther. I started running 50 miles, 60 miles, finding the hardest races I could. And I realized that uh, I could go farther. And there's a there's kind of a saying in ultra running that is the farther you go, the more you change. And if you run far enough, that's where you'll find God. And so I I really relay it to almost like a spirit quest um, like the Native Americans would do. When you get out there and you push yourself beyond what you think, you will have moments. You'll have visions. You will literally have just things appear to you. You'll have conversations with yourself that you never would have without the struggle that is imparted by people pushing yourself farther than you have ever pushed yourself. Um so that's led me to, you know, running hundred mile races. Um that also has led me to doing some what we call kind of adventure runs, which are things like running across the Grand Canyon twice in a day. Um hmm. things like running around the Grand Teton Mountains. Um so and you know, I always relate it and people ask me, you know, why do they do why do you do it? And sound crazy when you talk about it relating to spirituality but i'm always like well you you know you've read the bible where did jesus go every time he wanted to talk to god he went in alone into the wilderness and i think that is a big part of it and i think that's one of the reasons the sport has grown a lot um especially these ultra races and trail races because it's not it's not A bunch of, if you went there, you wouldn't expect the group you would see out there. It's not a bunch of just super fit people and, you know, just ripped, you know, muscle bound folks. It's everybody, all shapes and sizes, all ages. I run with people in their 60s and 70s now. And it's, I think it's becoming a modern day way of people to step outside their comfort zone and really push themselves to that point to see what they find there. Um, and we all find different things.
0: Can, can you give us any kind of an example of, you know, any kind of a spiritual experience that you've had doing these ultra races?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you get, you get deep into the miles and you get alone, and especially at night um, when you're – really it's dark it is all you have a headlamp shining in front of you and one thing about these races is uh, unlike shorter races you're with a lot of people in shorter races um mm-hmm. over these ultra marathons you'll find yourself alone you know you may the next person may be three or four minutes behind you but mm-hmm. you can't see him through the woods mm-hmm. so at night you do. You start to see things, and you start to have conversations. Like I've talked to, I've talked to people that have, I've, I've unfortunately lost a lot of friends in my life at young ages—um, murder, overdoses, heart attacks in their thirties, like just, just random stuff. And I've had conversations with these people, and it's—I know it's in my head, but at the same time, they're so real and they're so vivid. Um, and then there's just the understanding that again every time you push yourself to that spot where you don't you never thought you could do it you realize you could go farther and that there is more out there and that is what really excites me about it is just understanding this gift that we were given and that's one of the things i take away from it the most is that we are blessed with these bodies and these minds and they are meant to do something so when, when i when i end whether i'm at the pearly gates or i'm talking to the big ball of energy when they ask when you know the question is what did you do with your life it's going to be very clear i i used every bit of my body and I tried to see every bit of this planet that is just, it's stunning. Pictures can't do justice to what this world is. It's, it's beautiful.
0: Have have the lessons that you've experienced and learned while you've been going through this, these races and this pushing yourself, have they translated to other areas of your life, like relationships or family or work or how that work?
1: Oh, of course, of course. Um, it's once you've done something, once you've pushed past what your perceived limits are, everything becomes easier. Um, when, it, whether it's being, you know, taking on more at work, whether it's having just so many things in front of you that you feel overwhelmed, you know that you can handle it. You understand in relationships that it's about the long journey in that. It's not, there's, you know, like when you're training for one of these things, you can't climb up the whole mountain in one step. You have to take small steps forward and every now and then you're going to slide back, but you know that that's part of the journey. So in relationships, it's helped me quite a bit in just slowing down and understanding that communication is so key and also understanding that we've all had different experiences and it's the experiences that make us who we are. So not trying to impart my experience and assume that that's what they're going through. Um, I think that it's really important to listen and try to understand versus trying to get your point across. And that's the biggest thing it's taught me is this whole quest and this whole journey has been a journey of understanding and so that that's, I think, one of just the keys to life is, you know, you don't have to get louder to have someone understand who you are. A lot of times the best way for them to understand who you are is to first step back and understand who they are.
0: Well, how, how about um, w- the work that you're doing now through Run Brian Run? Tell us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so... My site, Run, Brian, Run, I'm really proud of. It's grown well beyond my wildest dreams and continues to grow. It's allowed me to work with a lot of great brands, but more importantly, it's allowed me to change a lot of people's lives. Um, a lot of what I do is I post training programs or I'll tra- post uh, talk about just places I've gone, travels, etc. And I get emails consistently about people that are... Going after the same goal, trying to achieve the same thing, and how do they do it? And so that's where, like, train these training plans, very specific to trying to achieve something that – trying to push past their limits – and I get emails from people thanking me all the time, saying, "Hey, I never thought I could comp- complete this race, and you encouraged me to do it. Um, I, you know, I set a new PR on this that I never thought I'd do. Hey, I'm 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 older, and I never thought I could get into running a hundred miles. And you know, you're 40 and doing it, so it's, it's never too late to start. So there's just I think that's the biggest thing, and the biggest joy it brings me is when I uh, the feedback I get. Another part of it is I'm a knowledge seeker when it comes to just physical. Well being. So a lot of what I do is I look at. I'm really into like the most latest studies on physical, you know, just physical wellness, physical activity, and how it can improve our overall overall life. I'm not a big believer in taking, you know, prescription medications. I believe in preventative maintenance versus going to the doctor for a quick fix. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think the quick quick fix is the best fix. I think a lot of times we can look at what we're doing in our lifestyles and we can make the changes there. And that can lead to the, lead to the point of, you know, changing more of an, I guess, an Eastern medicine type of perspective.
0: So do you coach people
1: now? I do somewhat, um, I do. Uh, I do, have, I guess, more selectively. I do a lot of kind of generalized coaching, that I'd call it. i put together specific plan, uh, training plans, very specific to very specific things. Mm-hmm. So say if you wanted to run across the Grand Canyon, I can help you with that. And I have s- of all the information you would ever need to plan the trip programming what you need to do to get your legs and body and mind ready um you know you want to do the presidential traverse these there are these kind of like big bucket list goals a lot of adventure seekers have and so what i i do them i film them and then i i I write about them and so that's really where a lot of it comes in as far as taking on personal coaching i don't do that a lot just because i'm not a registered personal trainer i have more knowledge than most too, right, but that's just never been my goal uh really to do that so i try I try generally trying to keep this
0: about thirty minutes or so 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 if if you can just tell us <clears throat> how do our my listeners find you and find the work that you do,
1: yeah, um, so you can find me on instagram at runbrianrun.com. dot or Sorry, at run, Brian run for Instagram. And, and my website is the best sorry, way to get a hold of me. Brian B R Y A N, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah at okay. runbrianrun.com. That's Brian, B R Y A N. Okay. And runbrianrun.com is my website, which is run, B R Y A N, run.com. And okay. you can contact me on there. Um, <clears throat> I, I respond to every message I get, and I get a lot of them. So,
0: okay. Awesome.
1: Any last final thoughts? Um, you know one thing i'd like to impart i don't you know i don't know what the age group of the people that listen to this is, but you know if I had any advice to give any of the younger listeners, um I would definitely say, make sure you experience life to the fullest there's no there's no u haul following the funeral procession, you know money's <laughs> not going to show up to your grave, really focus on living a full life, helping other people, and taking those experiences with you' Because in the end you know if if what's out there is what I believe is out there that's you know that's what you're going to be imparted with and that's those are the things you're going to take with you
0: what do you believe is out there at the end
1: oh that could that could that could start us down a long road (laughs) Um, you know I I, I would how would I answer that without without going in too far Um, you know uh, honestly death scared me for a long time which is one of the reasons I I started the uh, kind of the spiritual journey was to try to understand what happens Part of that was a uh, deep dive into people with near-death experiences, and kind of looking at a, uh, a correlation of these hundreds of people that have done it, and kind of seeing what the similar stories are. And the one thing that I started hearing time after time after time was that when they died, and these are from people that were, fiz- you know, have flatlined, have mm-hmm. technically crossed over, and been brought back. They talk about this, this feeling and sense that they were instantaneously w- burdened with or joyed with all emotions they had ever caused on other people. And an example is if you were, you know, you were in grade school and you were picking on a kid, all those emotions that that kid you picked on felt were imparted on you and take that across your, Higher life. On the other hand of it is, if you caused a lot of joy in life, you also received all of that. Um, to me, that is very enlightening and relates back to a lot of the, you know, the yin yang, the the karmic wheel. Um, so, to me, do I know if there is a man with a beard out there waiting for me? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I do believe there is. There is a there is a energy. That we could call God, we can call energy. You could call whatever name you wanted to name it as. I believe there's something waiting for us, and there is a connection to all that is intertwined. And that when we die, we're going to be part of that. And what you have caused, and your your actions or life in life, are gonna are gonna be weighed upon you. And you know, the Egyptians had the old saying of you know they weighed the heart to measure the soul. So it's, you know, the the famous scene of the pain of the judgment with the the bird weighing, (laughs) weighing the two. So, you know, I start looking at that and I feel like there's, there is, there is something to that. And so that's why. Do you believe
0: that we get to come back and do it more than one time?
1: Now, that is something I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. And that is definitely a big, you know. A big piece of Buddhism and Hinduism is going back and and honestly suffering until you reach enlightenment. I don't know if that's the case. I really don't. And I don't know if you get put into a, you know, a bird or a caterpillar or anything like that. Um, I'd like to believe that I personally would like to believe that if you leave a, lead a good life and you help enough people and in the end you receive all that joy you have given, you get to stay there. I think that would be amazing, because while I don't necessarily think that to live is to suffer, I do think that there is suffering involved, and especially at the world growing the way it is, that there are a lot of people that do have incredible hardships and go through things that I can't even comprehend, so I'd like to think when they get to the end, and when I get to the end, that I'll end up someplace where I can reap what I've sowed, and I can maybe enjoy it for a bit.
0: With, with all that you've seen in travel and experience, have you seen what you would describe as evil?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's evil out there. I mean, I don't know if I've necessarily seen it firsthand, but in my studies and just kind of – in my quest for knowledge and my research into things, and I won't go into any particular – you know I don't want to badmouth any religion or anything because I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm doing is judging – but there are people that have used things in ways that I do believe are evil. And I do believe that there is a negative energy to some people, whether they have chosen that energy or whether it has been thrust upon them by outside influences. Because, again, I don't know what they've experienced to lead them there. Where, but where does there that are come people-
0: from? Do you think there's a, a, a devil that does this?
1: I mean, one might call the devil, you know, the devil we know is like, you know, people are, people are what our experiences are. And that's why I hate to judge because I don't know what they've gone through. And some people, there are people that go through horrible, horrible, horrible things, traumas that I could never relate to. So it's hard for me to judge them on that. But some people, I think, take that heavy and it can lead them down the wrong path. And I, I do think there is evil out there, and it's it's one of those things that gives me chills to think about because I know just in my studies that I what I've you know what I read and what I hear about is it's out there and it's something that could creep in at any moment. and That's one of the reasons it's so important to really lead a good, positive life. All right, well, let's leave it there because that's a great way to end
0: it. <laughs> Excellent. All right, thanks for joining me, Brian. I really appreciate it. I am really happy to talk to you, and maybe we'll do this again a little bit down the road. Okay
1: excellent mike i had a pleasure thank you so much for having me all right thank you
0: all right that wraps up things for today can you do me a favor please can you hit the subscribe button wherever you download this podcast of course that way you'll never miss an episode and even more importantly if you have the opportunity to leave a review that would be super helpful That will help other seekers such as yourself find this podcast more easily. And that's what I'm looking for. More awesome people like you. So thanks for listening. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.